So trending, what's going on, what's happening, what's being talked about, what is actually playing out in life, trending. So what I want us to do over the next few weeks is talk about what's going on in your life. Not what you want to go on, what you hope and dream and, and are shooting for, what's actually happening. So if you're brand new, you need to know this, though. It's not just you and I. We are one church, but we have multiple locations. If you don't know this, that we have a group of fellows meeting at the Rapid City Minimum Unit, a Fountain Springers there who are worshiping and having an incredible time. So fellows at RCMU, I'm so glad that you're here. Everyone here is so glad that you're here. And, and so we're gonna walk through this. What's going on in your life? Some of you are like, oh, dang it. I didn't wanna deal with that right now. Well, don't worry, you're here, so you have to. <laughs> What's trending in your life? So here's the pitch. Each week, I'm going to go about something versus something else. I want you to be processing, as we open up the Bible, what is actually going on. So we'll start here. What's trending? Here's the question. Availability or self-centeredness? Are you available to people, to God, or is most of your day full of what you want for yourself and it's a bit more self-centered? Let me give you a story to open this up. In New York City, there is a subway system, just in case you didn't know that. Some of you are like, really? I've never been. Yeah, there's a subway system. Uh, on one particular night, by the way, this is true. I'm not giving you some pastor story to help you understand another story. This is a real story. Listen, there was a 20-year-old film student dreaming to be a producer someday named Cameron. He walked down into the subway system, was getting ready to board a train when it was going to arrive, but what happened is something tragic happened in his brain, no joke. All of a sudden, unknowingly, did not predict this, didn't know about this, immediately went into seizures. 20-year-old guy, real young, everything looked great, and so all of a sudden he's finding himself having a seizure in the subway station, and it's uncontrollable. His body is weakening at the moment. The seizure stops. By the way, no one's done anything at all for him at this point. He gets himself up. He literally picks himself up after having a seizure and begins to gather his things and get back, put back to order, has another one. This one is more intense. His body is weakened even more. He tumbles and falls down into the track system. He's now at a place where he's having a seizure and he is either going to die by subway train or the seizure will kill him. Now, if you are familiar with subway systems, there's a lot of people in those systems. Rarely is there just one person about to board a subway train. There's multiple people. So you know that as this is all going on, there's people all around observing, seeing what's going on. Some of them don't know what to do. Some of them know what to do. Some of them won't do anything. And some of them are wondering if, if they're supposed to intervene. 
without conversation, without somebody declaring anything, you've got this guy Cameron on the tracks about to die. A 50-year-old construction worker who had his two daughters with him. He was taking them back home and he was going to go work another shift. This 50-year-old gentleman sees the guy now down on the tracks. He does not really process a whole lot, doesn't think about it, doesn't, doesn't weigh a lot of what's going to happen the rest of the day. Well, the true story goes this way. He jumps down onto the tracks. The problem is, is by the time he got down there, he looks up and is staring at the light on the subway train. It's not stopping, at least not in time for them. The true story goes this way. So the, all that he knew to do was to grab the gentleman having a seizure, laid on top of him on the tracks, and the tracks were in such a way that the subway train he was hoping would go over them. It did. He literally saved the man's life by doing something he was not trained to do. <laughs> you and I don't go, well, I know exactly what to do when someone has a, a seizure and falls. No, you and I don't know what to do. But it's a profound story. In fact, they interviewed, of course, everybody who are playing the, in this whole scenario. You've, you've got Cameron down on the tracks, but Wesley, the construction worker, listen to this because you've heard this before. I don't feel like I did something spectacular. I mean, you've read that in the news stories, right? It was almost like, I don't feel like a hero. I, I just did what I was supposed to do. Listen to this. I just saw someone who needed help. I did what I felt was right. You're supposed to come to people's rescue. I mean, every one of us would conclude that. We're like, yes, we're supposed to. In fact, some of you fantasize about the opportunity to save someone's life. And some of you fantasize about someone saving you, and that's a bit more of your single dreams, and I don't want to get in there. But, but you're, you're, we have these aspirations to rescue and to be rescued, and, and there's these moments that you process, and how would this play out? And some of you are wearing tights and a cape, and that's weird. And some of you are like, this is just everyday life. I'm going to save people. Some of you are looking out and saying, how can I help people? And some of you are looking very inward. Are you available to people and to God, or are you self-centered? It's a very profound question to ask yourself. What's trending? I'm not asking what you, what you hope to be. In fact, I want to press in deep into this. If God were to put a situation in front of you, whether he's calling you to do something or just a moment with people that you see, are you available to be a part of what God wants you to be available for? Or many of us have excuses like, well, I'm planning to, I hope to, and I'm not sure, but I want to be, and you have to be intentional about being available. So this week, are you available or are you self-centered? Now, now, one of the greatest ways to show love, because that's one of our core values, unconditional love. We talk about that all the time. Some of us are like, yes, that's what I love about my church, is that everyone is welcome. I, we have unconditional love for people. You and I can say, yes, let's love people. And then we leave the building, we listen to the sermon, we go, we're like, I'm going to love people. And we're like, how do you do that? Some of you think it's, it's hugging people nonstop. You need to stop that. Uh, some of you, it's not just about holding a door open. And some of us, it's not just about accepting people. One of the greatest ways to live love out, to not just say, I believe in unconditional love, that's what Jesus taught. One of the greatest ways to show love, to live love out, is to be available. And in fact, I'm not living in your house, which you'd be grateful for that. But if you're married, I can tell you something about the fights that you have. It's because one of you wasn't available. It's that moment where you're being asked, not that this has ever happened in our house, uh, where perhaps your wife is talking to you about the day and then there's a question in the midst of that. She keeps talking and you were supposed to answer that question and, and then all of a sudden she asks you about the question and you're like, what? what? What was that? 
Or, or when your kids are saying, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad, dad, hey, dad. And eventually, after the sixth or seventh one, you're just ticked at them for saying your name so much when they just wanted you to be available. Availability is one of the most profound ways to show someone that you love them. It's why when you first start a dating relationship, you offer availability on this big plate and say, you're awesome, here's all my availability. That's why guys get in trouble from other guys when they do this, just so you know. You're supposed to hang out with the guys, like, forget you, she wants to hang out, so we're gonna go. And you offer this availability in massive doses when you first begin to date. You're like, all I want to do is be with you. I'll forget everything else and put it aside. But, but then time progresses and, and, and life stages change. And oftentimes it is human nature that you begin to adjust your availability. In fact, I see it oftentimes when a couple gets married. And typically we talk about the first year being a honeymoon season. Did you know that the first year is one of the most difficult seasons of any married couple? Because that first year, they begin to not be as available to each other as they were when they dated. Oftentimes, when you and I have a baby born into our family, we have these kids, that, that first week or so, we're like, this is amazing. And then that first set, set of months, this is absolutely amazing. But as they grow older and you grow older, you become less and less available. Sometimes you say for good reasons, it's work, it's, it's relationships, it's things. We have to do this. I would contend that the greatest way or one of the greatest ways to love people is to show yourself available. Are you trending that? Is availability something that you're offering to the people around you, or do you have a list of excuses as to why you're not? I want to show you a story, a story of, of I think, incredible availability. It's in 1 Kings 19, if you want to look it up. Here's how this plays out. At this time in the Bible, when there's a guy named a prophet. That was the title. This prophet would oftentimes tell people, hey, here's what God wants. And God didn't just all of a sudden tell everybody. He oftentimes told the prophet, the prophet would announce to everybody, here's what God wants us to do. Or he would often call people and say, hey, you need to change that behavior. Here's what God wants us to do. That prophet would speak. Well, there's a prophet named Elijah. Now, Elijah, there's a story of him in the Bible that's awesome, where he's competing against some guys who have some fake gods. And he calls for God to send fire down and to burn up this altar, and God does. I mean, that's epic. Elijah has this awesome moment. Now, Elijah's told by God, hey, hey Elijah, it's, it's going to be coming soon that you need to kind of pass the mantle. You need, to, you need to have someone else take over your job. And so here's you. I want you to go find Elisha. His name sounds similar to you, so I think it's a good fit. That's actually not what God said, just seeing if you're awake. He says, hey, I want you to go find Elisha, uh, and I want you to tell Elisha, show Elisha that he's going to take your role in, in the future, and I want you to give him that mantle, as it would say. And, and so Elijah's like, oh, okay, okay, I'll go, go find Elisha. He does what you and I do. He, he Google searches and finds Elisha, and he's like, I know exactly where to go, who his, who his dad is and his family, and so he goes and looks for him. Here, here, let me read this to you. First Kings nineteen sixteen, God said to Elisha, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, and a from Abel Moloa, there you go, enjoy that, Moloa, to succeed you as prophet. Jump to verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shabbat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up from him and threw his cloak around him. I mean, this, yeah, if you're, if you're not reading and following on, listen, this is really awkward and weird. You got a guy who's plowing, and another guy shows up who they don't really know each other, but he shows up and he's like, hey, here's my jacket, see ya. And then walks off according to what we read. Now I'm talking to you about are you self-centered or are you available? 
So here's what's happening. You've got a guy who's plowing. See, I love this. If you listen to what the Bible actually tells you, this is encouraging. Because some of you are like, what's God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? Where does he want me to go? What job does he want me to take? Am I in the right place doing the right thing? Am I, have I been good enough this week for God to tell me what he wants me to do? Elisha's plowing. He's, he's not at a Bible school. <laughs> he's, he's not doing something profound in the sense of, oh, wow, he's an amazing person. The Bible doesn't tell us that Elisha was a perfect person. We know he wasn't. He was plowing. So for those of you who are freaking out right now, and you're like, am I doing what God wants me to do, where he wants me to do? I haven't heard of him. What's going to happen? Listen, listen, you don't have to freak out anymore. Let me tell you something. God knows exactly where you are right now. Some of you just need to be reminded of that. Because if you're like any human being, there are days and moments that you and I wonder, does God know I exist? He made you. I think he cares more about you than you care about yourself. I guarantee you, God knows where you are right now. And it's not just because you're in church, by the way. God knows where you're at. And when God wants to use you, he's not uncertain where to find you. So for those of you who are wondering, like, does God know where I'm doing? If I've been perfect, do I have to do something? No, no, he knows where you're at. And he is a big God. He often took people doing horrible things. And he says, I need you to do something. They said, okay. Paul, the guy that we read about in the Bible, in the Old or in the New Testament, who literally starts churches. Do you know what he used to do? Kill Christians. And God's like, I want you. So for those of you, you're welcome for this, by the way, who are freaking out, wondering if you've been good enough or strong enough, or if you're in the right place or the wrong place, God is bigger than all of that. And he can find you. You just have to be available. Are you trending availability to God? Well, the story keeps going. First Kings 19.20. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then, and then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Now, if you read that, that ought to confuse you. Because you're like, is he, is, he, is he mad at him? Like, what's going on here? What have I done to you? It depends how you read that, but here's what Elijah's saying. Is, oh, you think, I, you think I anointed you and I called you to go do this? No, that's God. I have done nothing here. I've simply obeyed God to tell you you're supposed to take my position. So what I've done, yeah, yeah, sure, you can, you, you can go say bye. But watch the availability. This is so cool. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke and oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat because he's not a vegetarian and gave it to the people. I inserted that, by the way. And they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Now let me, let me point something out. So Elisha, he's available, right? Elijah comes and says, here's the cloak. You got my job coming up. I hope you're excited about this. And, and Elisha, you see what he does? Is he burns the equipment that makes him money. He kills the animals that allowed him to have literally a living. See, some of you are not available to God right now because you're not willing to sacrifice what's in your life. So profound if you'll open up the Bible and let it actually speak to you the way God wants to speak to you. 
Availability will always require sacrifice. You're going to have to give something up. Sometimes it's a big deal, and sometimes you're like, well, that wasn't much of a big deal. Your availability hinges on whether or not you're going to give things up. Some of us think, well, God hasn't really used me. He hasn't really called me to do something really cool. And, and I, I don't really hear him talk a whole lot. And, and perhaps, I'm not saying it, but perhaps it's your availability that's the issue at hand. Maybe it's your unwillingness to sacrifice what needs to be given up. For you, what would it be? You know it, I don't. Some of you have toxic relationships in your life. And you can't hear God because they're so toxic. Some of you have things in your life that you indulge in. Some of you talk about people in such a way that creates even more toxicity. What, what do you need to give up? Sacrifice. Say, I'm done with this. I'm going to be available to God. Elijah is so cool in this because he's like, oh, God wants me? Then I will leave everything behind. All he wanted to do was say goodbye. Very profound. Availability will require you to sacrifice. Now, I'm going to tell you a flip side of a story. This story... Uh, will end up showing you the bad part. If, if you look, look at the life of Jesus, Jesus is encountering a guy, and a guy says, hey, Jesus, how do I have eternity with you? Like, how do I, like, spend literally all of eternity in heaven? I, I want to know how to do that, Jesus. Jesus walks him through some things, and I want to catch this. Verse 21 of Matthew 19, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then, then come follow me. In other words, okay, you want eternity with me? Sweet. No, no big. Here's what I want you to do. Go sell everything you've got, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. Now watch this. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. It's literally the polar opposite of the story of Elisha. Elisha's like, you want me? Sweet. Burn that, kill that, let's roll, let's do this. <laughs> If you don't know the story about Elisha also, Elisha did not jump into some awesome role like, oh, I've, I've got Elijah's role. You know what Elisha did for about six years? He was a servant. He's like, God, God called me. He wants me awesome. I'm going to go serve, and no one's going to hear about me or know about it. I'm going to go serve. The flip side, this rich man, very rich man, goes to Jesus and says, hey, I want eternity I'm with you. This, and Jesus says, sell everything you got, give it to the poor. And he says, Oh, and walks away. Now, some of you think this is a money talk. That's not a money talk. It's an interview question, if you didn't know that. Jesus has one interview question for you, by the way. If you want to sit down and follow him, he'll ask you one question. It's a very simple question. Are you available? In other words, are you going to follow me? It's what he said to his disciples. It's what he said to many people. Do you want to follow me? You're going to follow me. You're going to come with me. And the rich guy's like, I can't give all this up to do that. No way. So, so listen, you and I have something that we must sacrifice in order to be available. Are you available or are you self-centered? You're like, I don't like that self-centered word, David. Well, I don't like it either. <laughs> it's why we're like, oh, yeah, I want to be available. I'll be available, David. Okay, okay, okay. God, whatever you want, I'll do it. And if you don't know what to tell me, I've got a great idea. I've got a list. I made it a list. Here's what I ought to do, really. But I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And, and, and here's, here's what, I, here's what you, I want you, you want me, I want you to do. Right here, here is what it is. You and I engage God oftentimes. God, I'll do anything you ask as long as it lines up with, well, really what I, what I ask. So let me pitch a deeper question. Are you trying to follow God or are you trying to get God to follow you? That, that will help you and I go, am I available or am I self-centered? 
See, I, I'll, own it. I'll own it right in front of you. There's many days that I get up that I hope God follows me that day. I'm like, God, I sure hope this happens and that happens. And, and, and when he doesn't do it, I think he's wrong. I don't know if you've ever had that instance with God. Where you think his timing was off, he's too slow, he's too fast, or, or he didn't provide enough, or he didn't do what should have happened, or those people didn't deserve such and such. And, and, and you and I think, God, why aren't you, listen, following me? God, I know what to do. Uh, follow me. That's self-centeredness. If you think God ought to do what you think should be done, and what he wants done is not good, that's self-centeredness. That's why the Bible will press into you. Do you want to follow God, or do you want him to follow you? This is hard stuff, because you and I each have in our own lives things that will trap us, and the things that trap you will consume you, and what consumes you keeps you from being available. So I, I, I don't know where you're trending, if you're more self-centered or if you are available. I think for me, I am actually like this, if you want to know my life. <laughs> I'll have a day where I feel like, ah, oh, it was a good day. I did, did good stuff. Good job, David. And the next day, I'm an arrogant jerk, <laughs> where I'll see people who have, who have great need, but I don't have time for them because I've got to get somewhere or do something. There's days that I think I'm a horrible parent, days that I think I'm a pretty good parent. There's days I'm a good husband, and there was one day I was not. I don't remember when it was, but. <laughs> Isn't it fascinating that if I asked you, how good of a parent are you? Most of us would say, oh, I'm pretty good. How good of a spouse? Oh, I'm pretty good. How good of a student are you? I'm pretty good. How good of an employee? Oh, I'm pretty good. Most of us have these blind spots because I think some of us are trending self-centeredness and we do not acknowledge that. Are you available for whatever God has? See, God told us, he boils it down, Love God and love others. And, and the, one of the greatest ways to do this is to make yourself available. So let's walk this out. Very simple, very simple. Availability will require you to be intentional. You're gonna have to wake up and look at the day, not, a, not randomly, not going, well, I don't know what's gonna happen or how it's gonna happen or what I'm gonna do. No, you wake up and with great intentionality, you say, who God puts in front of me and what God puts in front of me, I will be available to without excuse. Don't forget the without excuse. I know somebody's like, oh, that was a good question, David. I wrote that down, except for the without excuse part, but that first part was awesome. Do not let excuses trump your availability. They often do. Uh, Galatians 5 helps reveal how to be this. 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Now, if you're new to church, you're like, indulge the flesh. Like, does this church eat people? Because I'm leaving if that's the case, Right? This is weird. No, the, you got to understand what this is saying. Indulge the flesh. That means indulge your desires. Seek only your desires. So let me read it. Do not use your freedom to only fulfill your desires. Uh, rather, serve one another humbly in what? In love. In other words, I would say be available to each other. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be as available to other people as you want them to be available to you. Where are you trending? I can tell you what will happen. I can tell you how this will unfold if you do not choose to be available. That verse continues, verse 15. If you bite and devour each other, if you'll allow me, I, if you're unavailable to each other, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. 
See, some of you think by electing somebody different into some sort of a seat that we will change the world. No, we won't. However, if you and I and the Capital C Church were to say, hey, we're going to be available. As parents, we're going to be available to our kids and even the kids that aren't ours, we're going to be available and pour into this. If you're a spouse and you're married, I'm going to be available. If you're at school and you're looking at kids who don't look like you, don't like what you like, and you're going to say, I'm going to be available to them. If you and I, as a capital C church, were to go be available to anybody and everybody, that changes the world. What are you trending? Availability or self-centeredness? While on vacation, and for those of you who've been around a long time, while on vacation, we go to the beach, I get sunburned, and I stay inside the rest of the time. That's how that works. Some of you think, that sounds weird. Change your vacation. No, I like it. So one day I was inside watching ESPN, because that's what I do, and this story came on. I was not expecting this story. I was expecting to, to hear about how awesome the royals are, and, and this awesome story came on that wrecked me, and I want to show it to you, because this story, all oh, this story... You'll see the difference. You'll see, you're going to see Elisha, but you will not see the rich young ruler. You will see this story between this father and this son, and you will see availability. You will begin to see this profound, very profound decision that gets made. Real life, real circumstances. And it moved me so much, I wanted to show it to you. So take a look at the TVs and the screens and, and watch the power of availability. Take a look. In the room, there is no disease. There's just daddy and his daughter. There's family. And for a new father, that's enough. It's everything to Pete. I knew he would be an, uh, the most amazing dad, uh, especially in the full vitality of Pete. So in this limited capacity, he has given us his legacy. Pete Frady's other legacy is almost beyond measurement, as perhaps the most famous ALS patient in America. This challenge was started by Pete Frady's. Pete Frady's, Boston College. He was the catalyst and inspiration behind the Ice Bucket Challenge. Ice Bucket Challenge for ALS. Oh. Frady's is swinging the bat today with an awful lot of confidence. We first shared Frady's story last summer. And that is hit high and deep. A captain of the Boston College baseball team, Frady's graduated in 2007. And five years later, at 27, he was diagnosed with ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. For a young guy like myself to be diagnosed, um, hopefully I can use my, my youth and um, the networks that I'm part of to uh, promote some awareness. By the time Frady's took the ice bucket challenge himself last summer, unable to walk or talk, the initiative had raised more than $100 million for ALS. Less than a month later, Pete and Julie Frades became parents to daughter Lucy. Fatherhood means everything to me. It is my driving force to keep battling every day so that one day I will be able to see Lucy grow into a wonderful, 
beautiful woman. Pete is not the only father in the house. In 2012, shortly after the diagnosis, as Pete's physical struggle was beginning, John Frades quit his job as a financial planner to become his son's full-time caregiver. When he started falling down the stairs here at home, I said, you know what, there's more to life than my career, my job. I cannot continue working, pretending that this is not going on. I'm here for him. All right, buddy, you uh, hold my hand real quick, I'll stand. Okay. The most important role my father played post-diagnosis was just that he was still dad. He loved and cared for me unconditionally. One, two, when Pete was offered a position as head of baseball operations in 2012, he made every road trip with the Eagles with his father by his side. Baseball acted as therapy for us both. It helped us bond all over again. The time on the road was incredible. We were able to say things to each other that would take a lifetime. I would trade places in a heartbeat. It should be an old man's disease. And that's what I can't stand. I can't stand about this disease is to see him suffering. If you caught Pete's words, my dad loved me unconditionally. And if you were to walk that deeper, it's because his dad made himself available. His dad was not a superhero. His dad doesn't have any medical understanding of how to fix this. His dad had to quit his job that provided a great deal of income for him. He quit it. And literally he said, my son needs me, so I will make myself, you catch the word make, I will make myself available. It wasn't, oh, this is easy and no problem. It didn't cause any consequences. No, he went to be available. If you go to the beginning of this message, and you consider what a guy like Wesley did when he dove down into the subway tracks, saying, I'll be available. But then compare it to the rich young ruler who said, that's too big of a sacrifice, I won't do that. What's trending in your life? Availability, loving God, loving others. You're available to the people that God puts in front of you. When you're at school, you're saying, I'm available. When you go to work, can you imagine that? You go to work and say, you know what? I'm going to help out. You know that phrase of, it's not my job? What if you never said that anymore? Your boss would pass out. Just like if you were a kid and went home and said, Mom, Dad, what do you need done? I'll help. Again, students, when, when they wake up from passing out, give them some water and repeat yourself. Can you imagine if us as spouses, if you're married, were to go to your spouse and say, you know what, I've been really thinking a lot about myself lately. What do you need? How can I help you today? And, and it's not with some secret agenda. It's just, uh, how can I serve you today? You and I go to restaurants and places where we demand that the people that we pay service with great excellence. Aren't the relationships far more important? What if you and I were to talk to the world and engage the world as people who follow Jesus saying, hey, we're available. We don't, we don't have all the know-how or the, re we're just available. 
the greatest stories that you and I hold on to that encourage us, like salvation in the subway or in, intervening in the life of a son, what you and I find value in that is they are normal human beings saying, I'll help. I want to encourage you as fervently as I can to make yourself available without weighing the risk, without weighing the cost, and just saying what's needed, I'm available, I'm here. One of the greatest things that you can use as a reminder is do you remember what Jesus represents? God's availability to us. I pray this for our church, is that we will be known by our behaviors as a church as a group of people who are available to anybody and everybody, no matter who they are, because that's what our God has done for us. What's trending in your life right now? Now, here's what's cool about trending. If you don't know this yet about life, it'll change tomorrow. What's trending today? Oh, tomorrow, I'm sure it'll be different. And the next day it'll be different. So the beauty of trending is you do not have to allow your past to consume you. You can say, okay, here's what I've been trending, but now I declare to God that I'm gonna be open to people, available to people, not focused on myself. So you can actually change the course and begin a new hashtag for your life. Trending, are you available?